Uh, what's up, Mike? What's up, Walker? Should we do this? Let's do it. Welcome to Walls Down. I'm Walker. I'm Mike. This is the podcast where we hear stories in modern masculinity. Uh, this week we got Eddie coming on to talk to us. Um, you know, there's a lot going on this week, but uh, how you been, Mike? I've been good, man. We haven't done this in a while. Um, I was out of town for a wedding. One of my best friends was getting getting married. Uh, I had to fly back to, to Cali. Um, that was fun to see see two people in my life get married and that whole experience and then uh when i got back um i took a tour up at columbia because i'm gonna go back to school mm-hmm. next fall 2019 yeah so i'm excited about that um i think that's a big for me that's a huge step because i was always against like going going to school and like furthering my education hmm. i always thought like Man, i don't need this shit yeah and then like I've had some success um, without education and without school, so my perception and belief was like, oh man, I'll just use like my natural like talent of uh-huh. like talking to people and like networking and all that stuff. So like, and then also like talking to friends and like hearing their experience and like their financial like struggles mm, and like yeah, the yeah. debt and all that. So I use that as like an excuse of like, well, you know, like I don't need to go to school. Like I'm not trying to put myself in like. A financial hole because I don't come from money so like um yeah I just put myself in a hole and then a friend of mine that uh that I hang out with uh we do this manifesting group and he uh he went back to school and it sort of sparked this idea of like man well he's going back to school hmm. like why don't I just check it out so I was gonna go check out the new school and a best friend of mine was like yo come up to Columbia they offer this general studies program. Yeah. Just come check it out. And when I walked on the campus, I was like, oh, shit, this is it. <laughs> yeah. I got to yeah. try this out. Yeah. You know? So. Do you yeah. feel like, so besides the money, um, was there anything else? Like, was there any <clears throat> concern, fear, worries, or whatever about going back? Yeah. Well, like right now in present moment, no, there wasn't mm-hmm. any fear when I walked on campus and then the tour and like did the ed- educational portion of it. Um, like a couple of years ago, yeah, there was fear. Mm-hmm. Like I fear I wasn't smart enough, fear I didn't read enough books. Um, I fucked off in class. Mm-hmm. You know, I like manipulated my way through Yeah, because I played sports. So like I had that power of like, oh, well, they're not going to fail me because like I'm a good athlete and I'm one of the star basketball players. So um you know, they set me, I set myself up for, like, success in that way. Mm-hmm. But there was no, like, success in, like, the classroom because I didn't take it serious. Yeah. And then when I went to community college, the one experience I remember is when I had a tutor for math and a tutor for English, like, I did well. Like, I was good. Mm. And then when I was just, like, left to my own devices and, like, you know, just fucked off, like, that's when I, like didn't do well yeah but it was because i didn't take it serious yeah so so like this would have to be on your own like you would have to you wouldn't have that same support yes if i would have to like now. if i went back now um well the good thing about columbia is like they have like tutoring programs and all that stuff and what i've learned since being sober and like 
you know, just going through life. If I ask for help, people are going to help me. Yeah. And if I just trust the process and like break it down into like little steps, mm. like for example, like all I had to do is go to this tour. Now all I have to do is get my uh, transcripts mm -hmm. and then I wrote my first draft and it was fucking terrible because <laughs> I've never written a seven page paper before. Yeah. Like I've just never did it. Yeah. And I don't know how to like write in like proper like writing format. Yeah. So I just like dumped everything in my brain onto this like mm. computer screen and like Lauren read it, a couple other friends read it and they're like, do you not know how to write in paragraphs? And I was like, no, I don't. Yeah. But like, I'm comfortable saying that because I just wasn't taught that. Yeah, yeah. Or I was taught it and like I just didn't pay attention or I didn't care to pay attention to it. So like for me, it was just like, all right, show me how to do it and I'll be successful, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, in that, in that and of itself, just like asking, asking for help, I think can be difficult and took for me a long time took, uh, it, I wasn't able to do it for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so what's going on with you? How's it, the week's been? It was, uh, I mean, I'm trying to think, you know, the weeks that have passed, I can't really remember things being good, whatever. This week was very trying yeah. for a lot of reasons. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think we got, like, obviously, I think we need to talk about it. But also, like, I mean, my work, it, just, it was interesting how there was sort of this perfect storm uh, you know, I don't really talk about work, but like it, there, a lot of things were going on at work, social dynamic. <clears throat> and then, you know, um, like I said, we might as well, like the whole Kavanaugh thing was this week. And I mean, not the whole thing, but the, both of them test the testimony this week. And, mm -hmm. you know, this in the spirit of this podcast, I've been thinking a lot about it in the spirit of this podcast it's not about, not necessarily about sharing my, uh, definitely not about my political beliefs, which kind of don't really have much to do with how I feel about mm -hmm. what was going down. But um, there was some, I'm trying to think of the right word. Like, first of all, it was, it's just been very, uh, <laughs> the, the fact that I'm having a hard time finding my words speaks to the experience I've been having because it's not that I have, this is like a, a new thing and I'm trying to be a person that I want to be. And it's been, I, I've had to go through some discomfort. I've, uh, yeah. I've had to, and, and not, not only the discomfort of looking at my own past and things like that and what I've done necessarily, because that's been ongoing. Like, you know, I've been doing that before this, um, but like this week in both, uh, like a, a group tech, like a fantasy football group text I'm in mm -hmm. with all my college friends, I sort of, I think, I mean, I sort of got into it with like one of the guys and it ended up just being me and him going back and forth. And, like nobody else was saying anything. And it's like, and then in like, you know, just having the experiences where it's like, really having the experience of one, it would be so easy to say nothing. Like I remember when people were saying stuff in this group text, sort of like, I was like, I could, I, like, they don't live here. I'll see, you know what I mean? It's like, it's so easy to just not say anything and just like let comments kind of go. And then also feeling it was like one, there's this feeling of like fighting, like going against the grain, which is one thing, but also just like, I don't feel like I necessarily, like I want to be, I want to, 
say the right things. Like I want to like, I want to convince people of this way I feel, but I also feel so conflicted and I feel like that and not conflicted on, (sighs) conflicted on like, how do I, Mm, I, my, my sort of belief is like, why, you know, this idea, there's, there's all these different arguments. There's always, I realize I'm stumbling over slide because this is very, I have a very clear understanding of like, I have no doubt what happened. What she says happened, happened. I have pretty much no doubt that it was him. And I think a lot of times where, and like my whole thing is like, I work with, I am a person who has made a lot of mistakes and I work with people who've made a lot of mistakes in their life. So I absolutely have to believe in the, the power of like forgiveness and redemption. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you have to ask for forgiveness and you have to, mm, it's very complex. Like on some level, if the guy had said, yeah, I did those things and I've, it was bad. And I've, you know, like I fucked up, like I've had to do that. I've mm-hmm. ha- I have that. I haven't been fucking perfect my whole life. That's for sure. And to say, and, and you know, it's got me looking at things I've done and like, I have, I've done that like mental search of like, have I ever done it? Like, and it's like, Same. well, and you know, like you and I've talked before, like I was so insecure about myself that I think that actually like, protected me some in some ways that like when I would get really drunk, I would like close in on my, like I was like loud and boisterous, but I would like, I was like, nobody likes me. Nobody, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I would like feel sad and go be alone. Yeah. But that's not to say like, you know, like I realized like I have done things, you know, like I like ran streaked through like sorority houses and like that sort of like things where it was like, and I no doubt like said things that were wrong and made it like comment and spoke about women in a certain way. But like, so my, my point of that is, is that like, I don't, I, and I've also like, I had, you know, there's like people in my life who I've found out like have done things and things. And it's like, I want to move forward, but at the same time, I like, I'm like, it's like women's time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and this is the hard part. Like, this is the thing. It's like, I am a man. I identify as a man. I like all of this. And like, I have to go on living. I'm not just going to like go move to a cave or whatever. But at sometimes I feel like that. Like, I feel like I'm like, well, we're like, we've, we had our time. Like, and I like, I don't know how to kind of navigate this. And it's like, I want to try my best and do this, but like, even in conversations where I'm trying to like, talk about like progress stuff, it's like, I still miss the mark. Like I was talking with my niece last night and I was talking about whatever. And I was like, you know, I think this, everyone being so uncomfortable and this like being so ugly and just like, you're hearing all these people say shit, like at least we're saying stuff. Like at least people are being forced to like show their opinion. Like no one's had to do that before. No one's had to. And she was like, no, I hear that. She was like, but do you understand how hard it is to just be a woman and like have half of the people in America just be like, we don't care about this. Mm -hmm. Or like, and she was like, it's hurtful. It is scary. It's I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like, it's really raw and complex. And I think that's why I'm just like stuttering through it. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. That was a lot, but 
No, I mean, walking down the street the, the day of the, uh, the hearing, not even, it wasn't a hearing, it wasn't a trial or anything, but like I, I felt myself like when I, I, I was coming down the street from getting a bagel and these hmm. three women were walking and I was just like, and I just moved out of their way hmm. as if like I did, like I did something wrong. Yeah. And I like came back home and I was like, why did I do that? Hmm. And I was like, wait a minute, like. Cause I've never done anything like like that, like sexual assault, any of that. But like I subconsciously, I was just like, I need to get out of their way. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the problem. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's crazy. But like, yeah, I don't know. I was I was just like aware of that, like ultra aware of like, mm-hmm. like don't look at anybody. Like you know, keep it moving. Like yeah. yeah. So, well, and I think a lot of people, there are people out there who hear that and are like, is that what we want this to be now? Now men have to be afraid. Like they can't even be near. Like I've had friend discussions with women, older women that I know that are like, you know, if we push this too hard, then it's going to turn into handmaid's tale where they're going to keep women, you know, off because they're afraid of them. This, and I'm like, it's like, that's not, that can't be an argument is like, you've made us too afraid. So we're going to put you away. Although a part of me, if you look at history sees, it's like, we might do some shit like that. But like, my thing is like, yeah, okay, sorry. I guess we have to be uncomfortable now. Like women have been uncomfortable yeah. for since the dawn of man to varying degree, you know, like since the dawn of human as we are now 50,000 years I don't you know what I mean like mm-hmm. and so to say that like it's not fair that we we have to be unc- I have to think about these things now like I'm a good guy it's like yeah sorry like this tough shit like yeah. I don't know yeah. but and it's funny because you I know on here usually this isn't like an opinion podcast and the idea is not necessarily to bring it, but like I don't know I think it's opinion and our experience. This <laughs> it week. is, it so. is, and, and that's my and, and really my experience is coming out that it's like as as each year I my eyes open more to this. I learn more and more that I don't know. Yeah, and like that's the like a baseline. I just want to keep stay like that, like stay curious and not like get locked into these ways of thinking of like, well, but I know this for a fact. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm not this, or I've never done like. You know, yeah, like I want to listen. And I think that's why, I mean, I know that's why we started the podcast mm-hmm. is like create a space where uh, even women coming on here and sharing their experience, just being heard and creating a space for people to just be heard without like judgment. And even if we don't agree upon like what we're talking about, yeah. at least give them the respect to like be heard. And then that creates a space for us to learn and maybe come to like some sort of like an agreement if there is even an agreement to Mm. be had or whatever but i think i know for me whenever i have that humility creates a space to like have a discussion or even a conversation without like butting heads or coming in there with like fear and like i gotta be Mm. fucking right you're fucking wrong you know yeah and it's uh, and it's funny because I'm thinking about this like, you know, like I was born and my parents split pretty early and I was mostly raised by my mother, right? And I had an older sister. And so like when I was a little kid, like I was super connected to my mom and my sister. But then at some world I, ent- or at some point I entered the world of man and masculinity, mm-hmm. right? Like, 
And so even, you know, my whole life I had this narrative of like, I'm a mama's boy. I love women. I know, like I treat them well. And I never like cheated on a girlfriend. I never did this, this. But I still entered those worlds where like, you know, like I said, like the language I would use and the ways I would like, whether I like physically forced myself on a woman ever, which I didn't, but like that doesn't mean that I didn't do those things. And it's like what we've talked about here a million times is like those things I learned that were, it wasn't even like I learned they were okay. I learned they were encouraged. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, like, like if my friends were sitting around talking about like getting pussy and I'm like, I, on some piece of me, I think from like, maybe it was like a little kid inside me was like, that doesn't feel like me, but I'd be like, fuck yeah, that's what I'm, let's do it. You know what I mean? Cause yeah, I like, cause wanted, I'm not going to say like, guys, that doesn't feel right no. to me. Like <laughs> I'm going to get fucking ran out of the room, you yeah. know? And so now it's like, that now that what I've learned is still so ingrained. And so like in this like group text, it's not like any of these guys in this group text are monsters or anything like that. But it's like, it's like, I'm, I feel like I'm running myself out of this group of guys I've known for 15 years because I'm saying things that don't like, cause their kind of thing is like, and I don't want to speak for any of them, but like basically their thing is like, and, and just this one conversation we're having, it was that story of like, well, what happens when you're 17 shouldn't, count for your whole life and it's like we could do the whole fucking show on that just that argument alone and i don't want to get into it but it's like i that's not even the point the point isn't that yeah like i did some like not even let's talk about sexual assault like i did some fucked up things and like stole from people and i don't want to be labeled ever i don't you know like i don't believe that you should lose the right to vote forever because you have a felony and blah blah, blah, blah. but like so i believe in redemption but it's way more complex than that Mm -hmm. and like uh, I obviously have a lot to say on it, but I also don't know everything I have to say. But all right, well, let's well, let's say you could take a break. What are your final thoughts, Mike, on that part? Because I want to hear from Eddie. Um, yeah, man. If I'm reading this new book and he talks about having compassion, so I was looking at the the whole thing and like trying to like come from like a compassionate place instead of like judgment. Like he's fucking wrong he's a fucking monster, blah, blah, blah. Or she's fucking wrong. She's lying. She's trying to, how can I look at this whole thing mm. from like a compassionate place? Yeah. And it's so easy to just like, I'm right, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And like, that's what I saw in this whole thing was like, I'm right, you're wrong. Yeah. And there's an agenda and blah, 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 which is, it's, pol- it's politics. There's always an agenda. But like, for me, it was just like, all right, just like listen to both sides. Yeah. And yeah, so like, how can I just, I guess what I'm saying is like, how can I listen and open my heart and just come from like compassion? Mm -hmm. Because like my first thought is like fear, Hmm. you know? So yeah, fear. Yeah, of course. Uh, Yeah. Last thing I'll say is like someone said to me yesterday, well, from what I've seen, like I, I... well, I have no reason not to believe him, right? Mm-hmm. And my thing is like, but why do you have reason? Do you have reason not to believe her? And that's the thing. It's like we get the benefit of the doubt. I think dudes just get the benefit of the doubt. It, like if all things cre- created equal, like at the end of the day, like we just get. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, is how do you shift that? Does that shift? Like, is this is it happening or is it just? I don't know. 
I said I, I said I did. That was my last words, but there's I, a right, lot. No, that was it. All right. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Eddie, hear his story. We'll be back. Yes. Producer stepped out to get his bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Walls Down. I'm Walker. I'm Mike. And we got Eddie here. What's, What's going on, Eddie? Not much. What's going on? Thanks for having me. Thank you for Thank coming. Thank you very much for coming. For sure. Um, so first of all, what I always ask is, uh, how do you identify so the listener could get a mental image? Yeah, I, um, I'm a uh, male and um, just a black male, I would say. Cool. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, it's funny. I say so. I always say so the the listener can get an image, but I also think you know we're talking. We talk about experience and everything. So I do mm-hmm. think like a part of that is like the the different pieces of my, of our identities definitely influence the way we experience the world. Right? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, one hundred percent. Well, so I kind of feel like before we get into your story, like we normally do, I do want to ask, like you know, you were sitting here listening to us talk about what was going on this week, and I'm interested to hear your experience this week didn't share your opinion or not but just like what was your experience as a man um with the kavanaugh yeah yeah i um uh you know yeah he sort of uh, um it's sort of uh, showed up in front of sort of the senate judiciary and you know pleaded his case kind of thing even though it wasn't a trial you got the testimonies from both you know dr ford and and kavanaugh you know, I wasn't really surprised. I'm not going to be surprised, even though what's the do? Flake, he um, he decided to delay it another week in order mm-hmm. to open it up for F- FBI investigation, mm-hmm. which was people wanted. You know, but the, you know, quite honestly, we also wanted to delay it until after the midterms, yeah, so we could yeah. get more seats and then block him, which is a strategic thing. But yeah. then also outside of that, um, yeah, there should be like a proper FBI investigation. Mm-hmm. But if all that happens and he gets confirmed, still, I would not be surprised. Um, it, it just kind of, you know, accords with like the long legacy of, of um, um, you know, women and their experiences being subordinated to, to men and their interests. I mean, it's not, it's, it just accords with history and has ever since the beginning of this country. So I'm not, I don't think it's an original moment. I don't think it's, um, I just think it's, it's, a, it's sort of, a, it's a moment of continuity with um, mm. the way things have been for a long time. And I think it's just more... You know, Trump's in office and the issues have become more salient, but, mm. you know, people, are, and now it's, it's, it's provoking more conversation, but it's been this way for a long time. Yep. And, it, and it didn't start with Trump. It didn't start with Trumpism. It didn't, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's just sort of a, a long heritage of, of, uh, of um, roles that we've, we've created for, you know, men and women. Yeah, totally. I agree. What kind of, for you, you know, as someone you identify as a man, you're out in the mm-hmm. world as a man, what, yeah. and, and I fully agree that it's not like, it's like, this is not by any means a new thing. Right. Talking about it isn't a new thing. So, but, but so anyway, so what, what sort of has been, but as in the context of this, what's been your kind of emotional experience kind of, yeah, I mean, it. you know, um, women see that it's heartbreaking because it's, you know, it's like, it's just, you know, this stuff is 24-7, especially with this with this confirmation hearing. You know, women can't get away from it. It's mm-hmm. a big issue for them. Um, 
you know, they want him to be blocked, obviously. They want um, Dr. Ford to, to, to um, you know, uh, give her, get her respect and, and be, you know, seen fairly as not some sort of um, sabotaged crisis actor person mm, yeah. that is sort of some left-wing conspiracy, right? Because, you know, you always sort of take it that way and like, no, well, she's just, why is she coming out now? It took mm. so long. It happened, you know, like that's, that's, that's not... You know that it's not sort of um, an old dialogue, yeah. but you know it's it's just, it's just one of those moments, right? It's it, it's uh, it's obviously a, a nod to the Anita Hill moment, like the yeah. exact same thing. It wasn't like you know uh, happened the exact same way. Obviously, Anita Hill was, and it was uh, sort of um, they were in a working capacity. It was in the office, yeah, right. Yeah. So it's sort mm-hmm. of that um, uh, where the workplace is just not. It, it is it's a it's a it's a very specific kind of injury right yeah. yeah and versus this is more it was more um you know outside at a party it was more uh, casual which is a different thing yeah so they're not the, the same in that instance right so should be cheated should be um treated sort of differently but this one that doesn't mean that the you know one's more important than the other but ultimately it is a nod back to the anita hill thing and and it's kind of yeah, I mean, the, even the, the, all of the, you know, the, the, the senators and every time they would, they would begin their questioning or their five-minute segment, you know, oh, Dr. Ford, thank, I just want to thank you so much. This means a lot to women. It means a lot to the country. Like saying their, mm-hmm. you know, their platitudes before they go ahead and not listen to the answers that they're giving her and yeah. then vote yes anyway. Yeah. Yep. Right? Yep. But it's like it's like some PR shit. Like, I, you know, I have, they're going to... Whatever I say is going to be looped on Vox videos and shit like that, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it, that's more different, right? They're more fucking PR trained than the yes. Anita Hill confirmation hearing, right? So, um, and then I'm sure Anita Hill probably reached out to Dr. Ford, gave her counseling, like, listen, this is what you're going to go through. This is what's going to happen. Da, da, da. Yeah. You know? And then there's a different dynamics, right? Because she's, Anita Hill is, is uh, black and Clarence Thomas was black versus this, you know, this was a white woman and, and Kavanaugh's white. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different. Um, things that are sort of nodding back to that moment um but it is quite different but it's it's uh i think the outcome's going to be the same Clarence thomas got in you know it was was a hiccup of a thing but and anita hill has been paying for it still pays for it just for for the fact that she had to you know she was kind of coerced to 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 speak out same as dr ford as well she'll have to pay for it for the rest of her life she already has yeah and i think i would not be surprised if kavanaugh got confirmed yeah um so but yeah, I think your question was. Well, I was. I know it sucks. I feel it's like I know I had the, the 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 hearing up on my screen while I'm answering emails and and I'm trying to like get in the mind space to do phone screens. So I'm a recruiter, right? Yeah. So I do phone screens all day and I phone interview people. So I'm like getting in the mind space. But you know, but other women in the office had the the video up and they're watching it and they're getting heartbroken, right? And then and then after the the two women approached what is a Senator Flake and mm-hmm. and the and the um and the, the elevator that was an emotional thing and yeah. you know it, it's it's um. Women are hurt, but it's more of the same, you know. But it, it's it's um, overemphasized this week, I think, which sucks, mm. you know. But as if this is like this hearing is the one time when this is this <laughs> an issue. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's. <laughs> I also was just thinking uh, during the break that it's int- You know, it's like three men talking about this not not a woman's voice but but like you know this is the context of the this is like the interview like whatever we have but that that fact is not lost on me well so we'll we'll get i'm sure we'll talk more about it oh absolutely (laughs) so here so 
bringing the story back to yourself. Like you're, you know, the idea of this podcast is kind of like, what, what was your experience? So where, where'd you grow up? Where, you know, what were, what are some of the first messages you remember getting about what it was to be a man, what masculinity was, and how did you respond to them? I grew up in Londonderry, New Hampshire. So, you know, New Hampshire, Londonderry is in southern New Hampshire. It's like a 40-minute drive um, to Boston. You know, my dad is from Boston, but this family originally extends to Mississippi. You mm-hmm. kind of know why we were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my mother's from New York. And she's actually Dominican, so grew up in New York, and her mother's from, grew up, was born in the DR, but her father was born in New York, but he's from, you know, the DR. So ended up in New Hampshire, which is not, a lot of people of color did not make it up to New Hampshire mm-hmm. from the South, or do not see New Hampshire as a destination to, to, um, to head. So I w- it was, uh, um, you know, a very white state, and I was sort of yeah. like a young sort of person of color. But it was really, it was literally just me. So it was just, it was just kind of, um, you know, we had no problems in, ter- in terms of, of that. Uh, but um, first, um, you know, running with masculinity. Uh, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I've been playing sports for a long time. So I think you kind of have to, the introduction of it was probably through sports, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, we, we talk a lot about that. Yeah. Right? It's kind of like. <laughs> It's interesting. It's um, it just it just it's just so um, you know, an inextricable part of sports, and that it was with with basketball. I played all the sports initially, you know, baseball, soccer, dabbling in this and that. But basketball kind of stuck because um, you know, I was able to have a hoop in my yard and you know, just spend more time playing basketball, getting better at it, and decided to you know do basketball sort of year round, and um, I guess. Masculinity is, uh, it w- I don't know, I, can, I couldn't, I know that looking back now, I, I can see all of these different, um, you know, sort of um, traits of masculinity, but at mm. the time I did not know what it was. Yeah. I think a lot of us, uh, when we get introduced to it young, it's sort of this, like, this sociological thing, yeah? So it's kind of, um, you know, and you talked about how your friends, uh, you know, you can um, build camaraderie around you know, masculine, um, you know, topics and, and mm-hmm. ideas and that kind of stuff. I think it was the same with basketball. Um, you know, basketball, you play tough and, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, you're playing the opposite of soft, right? You play, you're hard in basketball, yeah. you're rebounding, yeah. you're running, um, you know, you're pushing yourself. And, um, you know, that was basically, I think, a lot of sort of the, uh, a masculine coded norm for how you did well in basketball. So, you know, it's, it was just sort of like, for me, it was um, playing hard with your boys and, and, and uh, you know, wanting to, you know, kick the ass of the opposition, mm-hmm. and, you know, bumping them and fouling them. And, and, and it was, you know, it was sort of, uh, you know, like, it's very, um, you know, oh, we're going to, you know, kick their ass or, you know, you know, fuck them up and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, not literally through violence, but on the court, obviously, yeah. right? Beat yeah. them and... And beat them embarrassingly, and mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. almost like subordinate the other yeah, team, yeah, right? Yeah, take, I think take their masculinity away, right, yeah. right, 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 like sun them and all. So this, this is the way we speak about it. I think that it is um, um, now looking back at it now, right? You know, we're more grown, and it was in and you know there were no women in the gym. There were no well, I mean, maybe the, uh, 
know, like cheerleaders or spectators, but on the court yeah. and, part of, and part of the the, uh, the coaching staff. You're not playing against women, you're playing against dudes. But I've looking back at it now, I, masculinity has always sort of been the, uh, like almost the rejection of femininity, mm-hmm. right? You know, when you are not playing good defense or you're not hustling, you're not playing hard, you know, you're, you're sort of playing soft, right? You're yep. almost feminine, right? Yeah. You know, you're not, um, you know, uh, rebounding hard or boxing out. It's kind of like, um, you know, suck it up, man up kind yep. of thing, you know, yep. thug it out, like yeah. thug out this suicide drill, you know, which is a sprint yep. cardio drill yep. for those that don't know. Um, you know, so it, that that's the kind of language that you use and, it, and it's, and it, and you know, sort of thugging it out and manning it up cannot be defined without its opposite, right? It's counter-reference of, oh, you're playing like a bitch or you're playing yeah. like a pussy or you're playing, you know, you're playing soft, like you're playing like a little girl, like yeah. all of those things. That's what would piss you off, right? It's yeah. like, no, I don't want to be that those things. Mm-hmm. I want to play hard with my boys and we can all bond on playing hard together Yeah, and, and be assured that we're not playing soft, mm-hmm. you know? So that that is, now they look back at it, that is masculinity often. I don't know if, if you know, you know, I like I like history and um, I think history is, is an argument for history is just it's just an argument for context if you want to understand anything. Mm-hmm. You know, even contemporary. So um, I think masculinity for a long time has kind of been that, been the rejection and subordination of femininity. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, the culture comes from that and the way that we define a good performance in sports and the way we would find a bad performance in sports. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, I mean, there's, 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 there's a lot in that. But I guess I would say that my first introduction to masculinity is definitely through sports. Yeah. You know, and then that, was, that being my greatest identity as, like, a sports guy, a basketball player. Yeah. And then everything was kind of coming from that. Yeah. Um, socially and in school and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I'm saying. Yeah. So... I'm wondering, like, the, what you're saying, because I think that's so true of, like, the idea of, like, masculinity being the rejection, being one way of looking at it and one way maybe we're taught to look at it is the rejection of femininity, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. um, what, how did that influence your relationship to women, to your mm-hmm. mother, to, do you have siblings, sis, anything like that? Like, Yeah, my mom, uh, you know, obviously she's, she lives in Boston now with my dad, and I have a little sister. She's like five and a half years younger than me, so I'm 32. She's well, she's 26 right now. So, um, yeah, so I always had women in my life, and had an aunt. My dad's got a sister, and you know, was close close with both my grandmothers. Um, you know, so they were always there and they were always present. Um, I think you know, and then and then you got to, and then I guess in reference to women that were not necessarily tied to me, right, um, or tied to my interests, which is which is women I go to school with and stuff. Um, I don't know. I think that. When you, the way that you understand what masculinity is, and I think it evolves over time, you know, um, you only understand femininity in contrast to that, right? So I think that um, just understanding women and and relationships, and um, it's always kind of been... um, you know, from the sort of the romantic dynamic and stuff, I guess. You know, I, it's, I don't know, it's just, you, you think of, in the moment you think about it and you think it's like natural to be like, oh, women are sort of um, the givers of, of whatever. Like my mom gives me, you know, food and does laundry and this and that and, and I can expect that from her, you know, and, and um, you know, women I'm dating gives me, 
you know, these things, affection or sex or, you know, whatever. And, and um, these dynamics of giving and taking, I think um, masculinity is almost a culture of more of taking rather mm-hmm. than giving. And femininity is more of a culture of um, giving rather than taking. And um, to think that that's natural in the beginning, you, we just do because we're young, we don't know anything. Yeah. And that's sort of how we see and, and make sense of, of, all, of all the social dynamics around us. And then only looking back, you know, now and, and um, you know, reading more about, uh, you know, history of sort of women's movements and social dynamics now, it makes sense that that kind of culture, um, you know, would come from a, a, a particular history that women have had in this country. And, you know, I tie back all the way to, like, just the very sort of uh, uh, dynamics that we have today. Um, you know, but it, it, in the time I didn't, I just thought it was just sort of natural. Yeah. And to look back now and do it and, and read about how, um, you know, women have been treated through law and have been um, rendered sub- subordinate through law for the long legacy of this country. You can see how the cultures then uh, manifest from that. Yeah. And you can see how unnatural it is, mm-hmm. you know. So I have to look back now and be like all of the things that I did think of like, yo, yeah, women should be doing, you know, women got to keep the man, all of these, you know, mm-hmm. pop culture things. Yeah. Um, it's not natural, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that's my biggest thing that I, I always look back and, and, and analyze what I thought in the past and, and sort of what I think now. Hmm. You know, I don't know. That's a big tangent from what, you know, no, women no, no. in my life. Yeah. No. So. No, it's good. It's good. Yeah. I mean, I think you're touching on something that's a big part of it is like, you know, I, whenever I am working with people or talking, you know, like this idea of, I always challenge this concept of like, well, this is just who I am, mm. right? Because mm. if that's true, then why ever? No one's ever going to grow. No one's ever going to change. No mm. one can, like, you know. And so, like, I, I the way you're looking, like, the way I'm understanding you is like almost like from a social perspective of that of like, it feels like this is the way it is. This is, this is reality. Whereas it's like, no, 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 it's learned. And that's kind of like what we've been discovering. I mean, not, this wasn't our first introduction, but really like these things that become, it's not like, it doesn't seem like a choice. Right. And so I'm guessing like you're saying, like you, you know, you saw these things and you can see them socially, but I'm also wondering like, you know, and this is, like what was the dynamic between your father and your mother like you know was your mother giving more of affection was your father you know um um yeah my dad is you know i gotta give it give it up to my dad he's never i have never seen him as the sort of um prototypical masculine dude him and my mom have always had this um sort of uh this sort of relationship of relationship of equality and that's and i mean you know and you think about like yeah, people do learn about romantic relationships from their parents right yep. that is sort of the the patterns that are sort of handed down and like oh yeah well this is this is sort of how it should be and you know i got to credit um my mom and my dad for the relationship that they have you know my mom has always been working she was never a stay-at-home mom you know she you know she uh um you know got her bachelor's degree at Riviera College in New Hampshire, and, you know, um, shortly after, well, shortly after marrying my dad, started her, this, her consultancy practice, and she's had it for 26 years. Hmm. Um, you know, she's been making bread off of it, right? Yeah. And my dad, you know, alternatively has been, um, you know, went to college in Northeastern and worked sort of in local politics um, and sort of aiding a, the mayoral run. 
um, and uh, went to sort of the army, uh, the reserves, and and um, and and within the army division worked it, uh, within the army worked in the sort of CID division, Central Investigative Investigative Department, um, and would get put on um, protective missions for. Um, you know, uh, 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 political figures visiting the, you know, the, the, the U.S. from out of the country. But, you know, so they, they've both worked, but I never, I never saw my dad subordinate my mom to a mm. role of, um, you know, secondary to, to, you know, his ego. And, you know, I'm sure there's been plenty of times where my mom's made more money than my dad. And, mm-hmm. like, it never, like, he didn't, I never... He didn't come across as being burned by it, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like an insult. It's like, oh, your my, your wife makes you know more money. Yeah. Like it's right. It's like what? It's you know, it's it's been it's been sort of um, they've been balanced some years. He makes more like so so just an example of that kind of dynamic, that financial dynamic. Um, they've never there's never been any weird um, treatment from my dad towards my mom. He's he's a pretty like um, uh, um, introverted chill kind of guy and i get and i get a lot of that my chill from him and she's more extroverted and uh-huh. you know because she she does workshop facilitation that's that is what her um you know her consulting practice is so um it's it's you know i would say that it is not sort of the, the normative roles of what um we've angled this country to render for men and women that they've been more of an anomaly in that uh-huh. so yeah. i've seen that i'm like oh that's that's natural then and everything else here is i see kind of weird you know like why you know why is my boys you know, dad treat, you know, mother like that, or why is he, you know? So I think that um, them as a counterexample to what um, the, the norm in this country has been created mm-hmm. to be was really interesting for me. And definitely, obviously, infor- uh, you know, instructive for me and in my understanding. Um, you know, so I wasn't super entrenched in it. And I never really, I would always sort of treat women the way my dad treated my mom of like, mm-hmm. you know, funny example like my mom cooks sometimes my dad cooks sometimes is you know and a lot of my, my boys would be like yo i gotta get me a, you know i gotta get me a girl that can cook man mm-hmm. you know that's what you need you know and i was like why i'm like i didn't even un- before even understanding what you know masculine feminine roles were i was like why does that what the fuck does that matter like my yeah. mom doesn't really you know she cooks she does cook but she's often working or traveling and this and that and you know we do take out sometimes but like why is that why is that necessary yeah you know that is a um result of 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 a kind of role we've carved out for women historically in this country, right? One of sort of this homemaker, right? Mm-hmm. As well as, you know, sort of stay-at-home wife and mom and all those other things, right? We can get into that. But, um, you know, just that, that kind of example, I was like, why is that important? And I would, you know, I wouldn't, like, challenge my boy, like, you know, more so, like, oh, not along and not really say it or affirm, like, yeah, mm-hmm. I need me a girl that can cook. But I really didn't understand why the fuck that was even a thing. Yeah. I was like, I don't really give a shit, honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'll still be with a girl even if she can't yep. you know so i think that that's that's sort of an early memory of of this weird um you know uh me not quite understanding you know these 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 social roles of of men and women um in the romantic sense i guess yeah what was your relationship growing up with your dad um and did you get any influences as far as like masculinity from him or messages or yeah my dad was um you know, me, you know, as I mentioned, my masculinity has always been, my sense of masculinity has always been, like, refracted through sports. Mm-hmm. My dad did not play sports. He was not um, an athlete. Um, you know, so it was, there wasn't, um, there was, there was not, uh, it's, it's always been good. He's, you know what it is? He is, he is masculine in a couple of ways. He's very stoic. Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. he does not show emotion, really. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, um, 
you know, sort of, you know, kiss me on my head goodnight when I was young. And, you know, he wouldn't always say, like, you know, I love you. Like, you know what I mean? But I know he, like, he... He didn't have to say it. He was he was just in all of his actions. So I would I never thought that that was weird. But his his stoicism is very much a masculine thing, yeah. and I took a lot of that from him. Like yeah. he doesn't smile a lot, you know, unless he's around us. Like he's always joking and laughing. But out out in the world at some social engagement, he's he's pretty like you know, chief face, mm-hmm. you know, kind of dude. And I took a lot of that from him, and I still I still do that a lot actually. Mm. Um, but you know, I I think. Um, I, I mimic his, he's never like literally sat me down and said, hey, this is what you need to be focused on. This is what you need to do. These are the things that are important. Yeah. yeah. He never really had, would, would lecture me like that. He would mostly just do them thing. You know, he was, um, he was a hustler. You know, he, he would, uh, you know, uh, work really hard to, you know, obviously provide for the family. Um, you know, obviously an equal partnership with my mother and, and um, he more, he more uh, led by example rather than sort of, uh, more sort of a lecturing relationship mm-hmm. kind of thing, and I and I, uh, you know, that was sort of just natural to me, and and how I, my relationship with 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 him, um, and even to this day, he's just like, he's always just working, but you know, mm. and and I have and I have um, um, ideas of why he's like he just he just he's just a super hard worker, and I have ideas around it. I think that's more of sort of a that di- dynamic of race, which is another podcast for another day, but <laughs> you know, he's. Um, you know, yeah, that's sort of my been relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny you say another podcast for another, but it is like being, you know, like discussing like being a black man in America, a white man in America. And like, the, of course, it's not just about masculinity, but um, so I want to take a break. But when we come back, I kind of want to talk about so, like, you've kind of discussed the foundations of what, you know, was mm. coming on. And a lot of it, yeah, like for a lot of us, it wasn't. Uh, no one wrote it out for you. No one sat you down. So, but there was these messages you learned, and mm-hmm. you know. So when we come back, I kind of want to talk about you know. It's like we develop expectations of mm-hmm. ourselves or hopes for ourselves as a man and as a uh, what that might mean. And then yeah. I'm wondering, like you know, you kind of went out in the world post, like when you leave your parents' house, and I'm, I want to talk kind of what that looked like when we get back. For sure. Cool. Welcome back to the Walls Down Podcast. I'm Mike. I'm Walker. We got our man Eddie on here. What up, what up? So we were talking about, you know, like, like we said before the break, we want to talk about kind of how you took these ideas out mm-hmm. into the world and kind of what was your experience, did, you know, things you learned, things you picked up, things, you know, that how did these kind of ideas have an effect on how you lived? Yeah, I, um, how do I take it out to the world? I, um, I only really started getting in, I have to thank history, honestly. I, I only really started getting into history over a couple of years ago. Hmm. Um, I've been in New York for six years, and it really started, how I made my way over to like sort of masculinity and analyzing that, hmm. or trying to come to try to understand that is, when I moved to New York is, you know, it, it I lived in New Hampshire. I went to an HBCU named Hampton um, in Virginia. And first time being at an all-black school, right? Mm-hmm. New Hampshire is the opposite. And now I'm in New York, and New York is just like, it's very diverse, yeah? Mm-hmm. It's, but there's, it's just, you know, there's a lot of black people in New York uh-huh. all over the place. And just, you like, the disparities are just very bare in New York. You can just see it. Um, and... Uh, 
I really wanted to dive deeper into race and racism, and history was an amazing tool to really understand that. Um, you know, so I've come to rely on history if, and, and look at things historically through a historical lens for everything. Mm-hmm. And if I can understand racism and putting black people in sort of this caste uh, sort of society, yeah, this lower caste um, society, right? And, and, the, and the caste system itself being created through policy and law throughout history, you can kind of see how the effects manifest, manifest themselves over decades and centuries mm-hmm. to where we are at now. Yeah. So when you look at the, the, the wild disparities between black people and white people, you know, from, from you know, those people like to say from, from wealth to health, wealth particularly, right? You know, a, a sort of a uh, um, black wealth is sort of uh, uh, for every um, uh, nickel that a black family has, a white family has a dollar, right? So this is sort of this 20, mm-hmm. uh, 20x sort of disparity. And all of that has um, the causes in history. And, you know, so you see sort of, you know, this class of people, like black people, and this other class of people, white people, and you see all of these socioeconomic indicators and the disparities in those. I apply that same logic to men and women. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, clearly there's a pay gap. Mm-hmm. Um, women don't have full reproductive rights. Um, you know, uh, uh, sort of uh, sexual assault is rampant mm-hmm. and pervasive more than we really understand. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. didn't really know how pervasive it was before Me Too. A lot of people, I mean, they knew, but us more so understood. It's like, well, how are these all these things around? These are, these are different disparities, yeah? yeah, between men and women, right? And I'm like, all right, well, history's got to have the answer for that. You know, what, what has been um, the heritage of um, uh, men and women in this country? And um, they've been put in the caste system as well. And, you know, you can, you, can, you, can look that, you can look back through the founding of this country, right? For so long, women were not allowed to vote, not allowed to own property, literally not allowed to really do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't have sort of, they basically were not full citizens for a very long time. Right, and 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 this and and the thirteen colonies before the American Revolution and before it became America, um, they had this subordinate place in society, um, you know, different, quite distinct from you know slaves had in society, but women were subordinate to their men through you know marital institutions and men, you know, uh, husband and wife and all those things, but women for so long have been basically rendered helpless um, and unable to satisfy basic subsistence needs without men. And that's been um, the policy and law of this country for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, they have been let out, they have been sort of locked out of the workforce for a long time. Um, you know, when, when did they start sort of getting their rights? Okay, I guess you could, st- I guess you could say women got their full citizenship rights in um, 1920 with the 19th Amendment, right? With the, with the, when the, with the sort of the suffrage movement. Mm-hmm. And they got the, 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 uh, the right to vote, right? And that was more particularly the white women, the black women. But, the, you know, that's another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you which, know, which was also co-opted by white men of, in power, co-opted the women's suffrage movement and, like, used right. that to further them. But, that, yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, you know. And even like before, I'm in history class. Right now. <laughs> I'm just going to sit and listen because well, I love this. Yeah, well, you know, it's, you know, so... The women's rights movement, even before the suffrage movement, was the, the temperance movement, right? That's mm-hmm. what brought, a, brought along prohibition in 1920. That was the 18th Amendment, outlawing alcohol, mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of after World War I. Um, why, did they, why, did they, why, was, why did they want uh, alcohol um, uh, uh, outlawed, you know? Why did women specifically? 
Well, because their, their husbands were getting drunk and going home and beating them and raping them. Mm-hmm. And they thought, okay, maybe, you know, uh, alcohol is the causation of that, right? Yeah. Obviously, it, it's, it's a much bigger issue, but, you know, if we can... Um, uh, get alcohol out of the picture. Perhaps you know we will stop getting raped, yeah. or raped less, and we would stop getting beaten less. Yeah. Um, you know, all the while, you know, through this the institution of marriage, women are still sort of legally property of men. Could still not work. Could not uh, own property. Um, oh, I wanted to get property rights. Uh, I'm not sure, but at that point, still rendered um, helpless in in society for mm. all basic needs and citizenship rights. Um, you know, so that was a big proponent of the temperance movement and. and um, you know, sort of the—I forget the name of the group. Sort of the women's Christian movement um, would would go off and, and and really push for that until they got mm-hmm. the amendment passed, and then after that, you know, prohibition. Uh, you know, it, it became too an expensive thing, and they and they sort of amended that, and um, legal, alcohol became legal again. But then they got their, um, you know, their voting rights through the Nineteenth Amendment in nineteen twenty. You know what was left? All right, you got voting right, uh, voting rights, which is like now means you are a, an actual citizen, right? Not only um, you know, are, is is sort of uh, voting some like hallowed ground tradition. It, it's 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 a say uh, for what happens over your tax dollars. It is participation in in this in this democratic society, mm-hmm. right? That's what it is. That's what democracy is is voting. People, citizens mm-hmm. that can vote that um, and and um, basically influence the government that uh, governs their, their lives in every mm-hmm. single way. Um, you know, so then you get uh, moving sort of fast forwarding and. and um, you know, you get into sort of the uh, the 1970s and um, all that while women are not allowed to uh, own credit cards, right? You could not get, a woman could not get a credit card on her own unless, um, you know, underwritten by a man or a man mm-hmm. had to sign for whether a husband or father or something like that, right? So they literally could not be sort of a, a um, an, economic, an economic entity within themselves as most men have been for a long time. Right. And then you got Roe v. Wade, 73, the Supreme Court decision of like, OK, now we, well, I think it's, it's OK to women to have um, a say over what happens over their bodies, like mm-hmm. have full agency over their reproductive rights without it being legislated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so then it's that obviously that is being rolled back in various states. It's, it's not where it needs to be. That is still a huge issue for women. Mm-hmm. They don't have those rights. Um, that is still a thing that is sort of a, a written in double standard into the law. Right. Um, where, you know, men have to, don't have to worry about that. But women are, are stunted in terms of reproductive rights. Mm. You know, so it's all of these things. Right. So after you go since the founding of the, of, of the country, 1607, Jamestown, Virginia. Right. All the way until, you know, the 30 colonies become a country after the American Revolution, 1776 um, and, you know, uh, the Constitution and all that. So, and then and then you get through um, all the way to sort of women's suffrage in 1920 um you know what happens between all of that time and then from there they still can't have credit cards they're 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 uh, mostly out of the workforce for, mm-hmm. for for most jobs they're rendered to like typists and secretaries and there are lack like there are literal schools for women to learn how to be secretaries and stuff so you're narrowing their their professional perspectives as well so they're going in into these 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 professions that have limited upward mobility yeah um, and they can't support themselves without it, without that kind of stuff, right? So if you have all of these um, uh, laws for which you're, you're basically um, injuring women, um, and then you slowly roll the laws back over decades, over centuries, you know, what happens between all that time? There's a gap that gets created, you know? And there's a gap that's going to continue to sort of reproduce itself if something corrective is not done to undo that gap. You know what I mean? So I'm not surprised that... Most women uh, on the books have all of their legal rights and still don't have reproductive rights, honestly. Mm. Um, but 
all the while, you know, you're seeing like, oh, why are, the, why are they paid less? Why is there this disparity of women CEOs? Why is this disparity of women entrepreneurs? Why is this disparity of women VCs and they can't raise money? Like all of this is connected to the past mm -hmm. of where they've, you know, they don't have, they have not been able to build this sort of, um, uh, um, uh, you know, this foundation to, that's then springboards mm -hmm. um, them as like, uh, uh, people that, you know, uh, workers that have uh, certain salaries and, and entrepreneurs and all of these things. So it, it's just kind of like, um, and the people really just scratch their heads like, why, why are they underrepresented? What, what's wrong with diversity? Why are the women like, because we rendered them to be that way for so fucking long. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so I think as long as you don't, you know, number one, acknowledge the gap exists. And, you know, you have history for that. You look at that. Um, things like this are going to be going to continue to happen where, you know, women are, uh, you know, systemically too. You know, there, there's been uh, less sort of they've had uh, less recourse for sexual assault. You know, uh, the reason why men don't get um, have gotten away with it so long in the workplace and legally is it's a systemic issue. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, it empowers men to do this. Mm -hmm. um, so it's uh, I think that when you have this long heritage of discriminatory policy, one of the things that ha where masculinity comes in is is um, you know, you have to sort of um, build an ideological justification for that policy. Mm -hmm. So we're going to we're going to take women as a class of people over here. And we're going to discriminate against them. But we have to make create a justification about why that's okay. Yeah. Well, you know, they don't need to necessarily be in the workforce because men are more they're the breadwinners. They should probably be home with the kids. They should probably they're more motherly anyway. They're mm -hmm. more you know, they're more paternal that kind of stuff. Oh, you know, don't worry. You, you know, they shouldn't be voting. They can't they can't think as critically as men. This kind of thing. You know, not necessarily it it is dehumanizing, right? But it's not necessarily it's it's more sort of putting them in a subordinate role. Um, and, and, and I think masculinity and feminine coded roles for men and women, um, have been used to justify the disparity for a long time, mm -hmm. you know? So, and I think about, you know, well, what does masculinity mean? I can't untie it from all of that. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that that continues to persist to, to, to today, today. Right. I mean, the most, the, the most recent example is what is the dude, the Google manifesto dude, right? The white engineer at Google hmm. who wrote, did you hear about this? No. You hear about that? Okay. So. He, he was getting annoyed that Google was prioritizing diversity initiatives in terms of hiring more people of color and women. And he got really, really fucking annoyed. And he wrote this long manifesto or something. They called it the Google Manifesto. Maybe the press calls it that. I don't know if he does. But he was basically saying his basic argument was that um, women are not naturally... Women, there's an underrepresentation of women in engineering roles because they, it, it is natural for them to, to be underrepresented in engineering roles because, they, because uh, women are naturally more HR prone people or recruiting and stuff like mm -hmm. that because they're, uh, they're gentler and they're nicer and they're better interpersonally versus mm -hmm. critical thinking and, and puzzle um, uh, um, you know, solutions that engineering requires, right? Like mathematical abstraction, all of that shit, mm -hmm. right? Women are just naturally not, you know, uh, made for those roles. That was yeah. his argument, which yeah. is like a fundamental sexist argument yeah. to justify the disparity, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you can think about, oh, this is so old, you know, women, they can vote now. Now they can, now they're in the workforce. Now they're more, you know what I mean? But um, the, like the, ide the ideological uh, justification is still there and it's still apparent. And I think as long as there is that disparity, that was created through this gap that was created historically. Um, we're going to continue to justify it as, as it being rightfully so. Mm -hmm. The gap's got to be corrected. It's got to be closed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and uh, the, it's, it's, until we do that or until we understand that there is a gap, um, we can continue to expect these things to happen.
is my opinion you know yeah does, does that make sense yeah of course that makes sense yeah I no it. i mean it's it completely it's you can you know there's this argument that i hear a lot of times where people will say stuff like um you know i cheat on my girlfriend because look at animals and the ana- uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> evolutionarily yeah, yeah. you you mate and you move on and you mate and, you move, and i said right, but yeah. my argument to that is also like but there's sociological or like i also don't shit outdoors yeah. like I, you right. know what i mean like we use yeah. currency and like and mm-hmm. so like that uh, one is a wash but like these i think it, again we're talking about the things you learned as a kid that you then like you internalize as if they are re- are they reality but they're really perception they're not reality and right. so all of our our perceptions are influenced by stuff and so like of course like the history and, and for someone to say like well no this this is just the way it is right, right, right. um yeah it, it reminds me uh, i was one time i think it was when i was in grad school or something and, and we were talking about uh in class we were talking about some some laws that were either proposed uh, i think it was in indiana under mike pence but it, it was laws that were proposed and they were um they were sexist and homophobic and racist they were just talking about these different and i remember my classmates being like how could you do this how, how could people vote on this? how could people vote yes on this how basically how could people be racist how could people be misogynist right, right, right. and i remember at the time thinking that's that question is such a waste of time because it's very clear right like if i grew up like if i was a child and i was born and everyone around me said like like chimneys are where the devil lives there's the devil he lives in the chimney right then i'd grow up and if i built a house i'd say no chimney <laughs> if someone had why do you have a chimney you know what i mean and like yeah. and so that's the answer the answer is if you go around everyone around you tells you that people of color are uh are gonna hurt you and this uh, you're mm. gonna be scared the question is not how it's where do you go from here right and like right. and that's i think what you're hitting on is this idea of like I heard a bunch of shit growing up. I learned a bunch of things and everyone around me did too. And we reinforced each other by, by ping ponging these ideas back and forth that were based on whatever we're based on history. We're based on false perceptions. We're based on false fact, this kind of thing. You, it is like change is difficult, right? Like I had to have stuff happen in my life that opened my eyes to a thing of like why we're doing this fucking podcast in the first place. Of mm-hmm. like, I had to something had to happen to me for me to recognize the effect that my history had on me. Because I could have just kept on going. I could have stayed on that line, that ideological line, and just kept going. But I, something happened, and my eyes were open to it. And like, and the whole time you're talking about this, I. I'm wondering, like, for you, what was that thing? What was that? Where did you, <laughs> to make it corny as hell, like, when did you get outside the Matrix and, and right, right, looked right. in on what yeah. you were looking, what was going on? Um, when did I get out of the Matrix? I mean, you know, I always, you know, I was aware of, of you know, always aware of, like, oh, yeah, women are kind of treated differently than mm. men in this country, right? You know, why is that? I never really quite understood why or um you know uh, made it a point to do a, a deeper dive and like you know what the fuck is going on right mm-hmm. i think it kind of, i mean you know what i can tell you what, um you know so, so with with the sort of the sort of the um 
the historical deep dive into um, you know race in this country. Yeah. Um, I started to really frame things in a particular way, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, with ra- just a quick set aside, I guess with race, it's it's funny. People are like, you know, why why is this happening? Why are black people treated bad? They're treated badly because you know because they're black, because their skin is a certain way, and then people become ignorant, and then there's policy that results from ignorance, right? From yeah. natural differences, like that is the string of causality, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, and through reading, I, I found out that the the string of causality is quite backwards. Um, we made we made a decision, um, you know, in colonial Virginia, uh, while Virginia was still a colony, um, to basically uh, create a bonded labor class of of um, slaves because tobacco was booming, cotton was soon to boom, mm-hmm. and um, African slaves were. Uh, the most vulnerable, yeah. They were thousands away from Africa. Um, they were basically prisoners of war of Africa getting shifted over to colonial Virginia, right? And all the way, they were sort of sharing um, space and, and, and labor duties with indentured servants. Indentured servants stopped coming because they got treated really badly. Um, and also, there was a shortage of, of people willing, voluntarily coming over from England mm-hmm. to work and farm um, you know, for, for sort of farm owners in colonial Virginia, right? So this one labor class... Um, in England is uh, uh, becoming more scarce, yeah? They, and they tried to exhaust it, right? No, we want more. Can we get more people in here? Almost to the extent of they were basically, you know, stealing homeless children and yep. shipping them to Colonial Virginia, right? That's where the term kidnapping comes from, right? You know, did they do that because, um, you know, why, why, why did they think it was okay to exploit these people? For economic purposes, um, you know, and then you got, so that, that labor class is shortest and you got African slaves and they're more vulnerable because they're in a foreign land and like, well, fuck it, we're going to like, we're, we're going to um, create laws that ensure that this class, this labor class, um, it will not be, uh, uh, we, we can sort of repress insurrections and keep them bonded through laws that will make it hereditary, will make it, you know, you know not based on religion, will make it, make it based on skin color, this kind of thing, right? But the, the reason that they did that is that they decided to discriminate against, for economic purposes, this class of people. It was, it was for economic purposes, it was yep. not because they were different and black, right? So now they have to justify the discrimination and say, well, actually, because they are a different race mm-hmm. and they are naturally inferior, this and that, mm-hmm. right? And then the justification happens, creates these racist ideas, and then people who consume the racist ideas become ignorant and, and mm-hmm. you know, um, they justify it as well through the ideas, right? But so I was like, all right, well, if that's the case, you know, so I'm done with that sort of tangent. If that's the case of... of um, Technical di- difficulty. We uh, killed our batteries there. But well, we're uh, back. We're back. Back to Walls Down. Um, Eddie was really giving like context and um, talking about, I mean, justification. I think there's, I want you to finish your thought because I, I think it is so important to kind of, it's not magic. This didn't happen because it's the way it is. It didn't, so, so you were talking about, you were, you were talking about the kind of, the economic need that then led to a, a justification for why a people could be enslaved and everything and seeing how that and, and continue. And it's funny too, because as you're talking, I'm thinking is like, and then there would be these moves of progress with like emancipation. And then you see things like Backslide. eugenics mm-hmm. and all these like, you know, phreneology and like of like, mm-hmm. Oh no, no, let's find another way where we can right. see this, So we can subjugate again. Like, so then yeah. like oh, Jim Crow is okay because that, right. so, so anyway, and, and then you were, t- you, I think right before cut out, you were talking, 
talking about. So after you saw that, then you brought it back to take it away. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, you got it right. Uh, yeah. So I was saying, um, learning, reading, sort of the the string of causality of how um, you know the country decided to create a bonded labor class and name it black people um, and use race as oh this isn't this is a this is actually the category and then justify um, ascribe all of these things to the race that they are naturally inferior and that is the justification that which which creates ignorance hmm. um, you know because it 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 it's uh, it, it is these ideas produced in order to justify discrimination and then and then the culture comes from that right and then it can kind of take a life on on, on its own right because the institution of slavery produced so much economically for this country. There are no 13 colonies without it. Mm -hmm. There is no America without it. Um, it was its greatest export, um, you know, back in sort of the uh, leading up to the Civil War in 1850s and 60s, 60% of the exports. Um, it was the seed money for the Industrial Revolution. Like, this is, a, this, is a, this is a lot of interest in keeping this labor class the way it is. They're make, making fucking money off of this mm -hmm. thing. Um, so the justification's got to be really powerful. And then these, and then, you know, um, these schools of thought come out of that, right? Sch schools of, of uh, just sort of history and anthropology and, and you know, economics and, you know, um, uh, all of these things in order to justify. That's powerful justification. So I know if that justification is, is still with us and attached to the idea of race in this country, um, maybe there's something similar to men and women. Since women have historically been cast, um, you know, in a subordinate role in this country too, I'm like, all right, well, let me see. And, but really, what really sort of drew the um, uh, that line to me is this: this journalist, her name's uh, Rebecca Traster. She um, writes for New York Magazine. Is it New York Magazine? One of those magazines. Fuck, sorry, Rebecca, if you're ever gonna hear this. Um, <laughs> but she's great, and she and then she was talking. What was she writing about? She was writing about some sort of topical issue in the last couple of years. Well, she writes a lot about Hillary Clinton, and she was and she was talking about. But she drew this this comparison to like this Black Lives Matter movement, and she basically connected the dots of like, it is a systemic just as just how it is systemic um, that. Uh, a force that oppresses, you know, black people in this country. It is the same for women as well. So she really drew that that uh, equivalence, and I was like, "Fuck, yeah, that's right." You know, well, let me dive deeper into like the the historical oppression mm. of women, because um, you know, if that's the case, all of these things that I think I know or that, that are natural between men and women is yeah. probably bullshit. Um, you know, and that's what really got me into into doing mm. a deeper dive of of. Um, um, you know, women and their history in this country. Yeah. You know, but and then obviously you you, you know you got to sort of uh, black women and white women have very different histories. So that's that's another thing. Mm. But um, just you know, women and their movements and um, uh, the discriminatory laws that have put them in this particular place, and then the justification for those laws, and I think are still with us. And I think the justification gives us masculinity, quite frankly. Um, you know, the idea of here's the big here here are the the you know. Three main things I said I I have seen I've measured measured my masculinity um, through and I've seen friends measure it through um, you know and maybe there's more than three maybe there's less but the three main things that I've seen is um, you know athleticism mm -hmm. you know just uh, you know that's a that's a big masculine thing right and Facts. obviously right mm -hmm. with sports and and you know you know you know can you dunk what you you know what you you know you, can can you jump you know can you lift these weights. And, and I think that that is a really um, big masculine measure. Um, 
And, you know, another one is just accumulation of money, right? Money yeah. accumulation, right? How much money do you make? Like, you know, that is a big, that's a big thing that we measure ourselves by and get jealous by and get hurt by of like, you know, you make more money than me, I ought to make as much money as I thought I wanted to be. But yeah. money and accumulation of things, mm-hmm. you know. And then the third is sexual conquest, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it, that is a big measurement for which, you know, we <laughs> build camaraderie with our boys about. Like, mm-hmm. I, we, we, I, that was probably, that is like a real thing obviously now i you know we're i'm more cognizant of it um you know i'm sure you all are as well but that that is that is that has also been a measure of masculinity you know now if sexual conquest is really important to you right it's it's a sort of a, a social um uh, measure for which you measure yourself and and um your value within your mm-hmm. community of your boys and your men that kind of thing right and this is like obviously speaking this is most salient with with heterosexual men and you know sexually uh, with women you know, so sexual conquest is the, is a big thing, um, and um, it's important to get laid. And I think that um, there are varying degrees of importance with this. But I think when you see, um, you know, men raping women or assaulting women mm-hmm. or um, aggressively pursuing women, catcalling, blah blah blah, you know, you cannot disconnect it from um, the measurement of sort of sexual mm-hmm. conquest for which we, we think is a masculine thing. Mm-hmm. I think it comes from that. Sure. You know, why is that a thing, right? I think for, for so long, women could do nothing but be wives in this, in, this, uh, in this country. And sort of men had their pick of women. So, you know, for subsistence purposes, right, for survival as a woman, if all you can do in order to, uh, you know, live as a, as a person in this country and have a livelihood, you got to get a husband for a long time. That was all mm-hmm. they could do. Does that, that, that then creates a, a certain culture for mm-hmm. men where they can choose women and women having to ingratiate themselves to men in order to be selected as a wife so they can have a, just a good life, right? Because they couldn't do anything else. They were locked out of every other thing mm-hmm. for so long, right? I think that creates a culture and a, justifica- and, 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 uh, a justification for why that's okay, um, why that law is okay. And I think a lot of the manifestations of rape and you know, um, slut shaming and all of those other things come from that. Mm-hmm. I would say, right? So I, you know, I, I can't disconnect it. So everything that I see, I have to refract it through historically. Well, well what has been their position in this? If you're an oppressed class, mm-hmm. it would be women, black people, whatever. Um, you know, so that's why I think of through history a lot. Yeah. Well, and we need to take a break, but and I want to get to the last section, but. You know, it's funny. I asked you, like, what was the, what was the impetus for this, like, exploration? What was this? And your your answer made me think. You know, this is not something new, but it's like, you know, you ask this question. You start asking these questions because you have a certain experience as a black man in America, right? And so you started looking at these things of of oppression and sub, you know, bigotry and all this, and going back and looking at that, and then it opened your eyes to this this whole way of thinking, right? And so, mm-hmm. like, it comes down like it's a thing of privilege, right? Like I am a white cisgendered heterosexual male in America. So there's a lot of reasons for me to not ask questions. Like, you know what I mean? Like the system like doesn't fit. And so we all have our different identities and they might, might encourage question asking because if I like, it's super easy for me to just keep like, keep the system going. Just don't ask Don't you know what I mean? Like keep, keep it going. And so, um, I was just thinking about that as far as like how that's a funny thing of like even asking 
coming from my, you know, identity to be like, yeah, it's weird to ask these questions. And people that are like me, like, why would we ask these questions? The system's set up for us. Why would, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot. Uh, yeah. What? Did, uh, uh, all right. <laughs> I got so many. Th- all right. Let's take a break. And we come back, I think. We might yeah. have to have you on another time again, yeah. but because yeah. yeah. I want to do the questions, I want to ask the questions. So I know there's so much. I know. <laughs> All right, we'll take a break. We'll be back. Welcome back to the Walls Down Podcast. I'm Mike Walker. All right, this is our question portion of right. the podcast. Can I ask Eddie the questions? Uh, number one, bring it on. <laughs> I love that. Number one, when are you scared? When am I scared? Um, uh, probably most often, like professionally, I guess. You know, like I'm, you know, a lot of the worry comes from you know where, how, you know, what, where am I at professionally? Am I where I need to be? It's probably the most common scare, mm-hmm. right? You know. Um, so that's probably more common than walking down a dark alley, somebody behind me scared, right? Sure. So I would say that that is the, yeah, I, insecurity around professional advancement, which I think is pretty common, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. All right, number two, what do you need from people? What do I need for people? Um, I need for people, I'll tell you what, you know what I need from people? Um, I need from people to um, acknowledge that <laughs> if because we talk about it like it's such we can't escape it talking about the problems of women the problems of black people that kind of stuff i need people to really understand that um it is like a systemic thing mm-hmm. i think often we're so preoccupied with like the hearts of people like oh we need we need to you know erase sexism from the heart of this man or mm-hmm. racism from the heart of this you know white person you know if if it was literally just a bunch of individuals, um, the the oppression would not be as pervasive and as and as total as it as it has been. Mm-hmm. To to acknowledge, you know, that we have problems, big problems, um, and to acknowledge that it is systemic is to better understand the nature of the oppression. So, you know, if to to focus on, and we should focus on individuals like like the most heinous offenders of the of sexism. You know, the Harvey Weinstein's. Yes, he. Need, yes, we need to bring him down. That other kind of. But but um, we can't just play whack a mole with a bunch with all, all the Harvey yeah. Weinstein's and think that um, things are better or yeah. things are reformed. To deny um, to focus on in, individuals is to deny this the the system, right? And even with um, you know, is is if it was individuals, if it's literally just individuals holding the line. Um, then why do women vote for Trump, particularly the white women? Why? You know, is every woman a, necessarily a feminist? You know, are they born a feminist? You know, do, or do they support um, systems that oppress them and oppress other women mm. for whatever reasons, for whatever interests, mm. you know? So if it, really, if it truly was individuals, you could just swap somebody out, you know, uh, men for women or black for white. You know, why do black cops still kill um, you know, unarmed black men, hmm. right? All these black, what was, what's going on here? Um, it is a systemic issue, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, so to understand that and, um, you know, to combat the system is to understand that, yes, you can work with men to combat the patriarchy, 
right? Because it is not individual, mm-hmm. it is systemic. Um, because not all men, all men do benefit from it, but not all men um, support it. Um, and it's the same with, you know, white supremacy. To deny white people the chance to participate in it simply because they're white is is to think that it's some individual thing rather mm-hmm. than a systemic thing mm-hmm. where, you know, not all black people are down to bring down white supremacy mm-hmm. and they do things that hurt other black people, right? Mm-hmm. So the systemic and not individualistic is a big thing that I think um, um, is misunderstood a lot of the time. Yeah. Well, and not to comment on your question, but like, yeah, to say, to say like, well, it's funny because we were even saying this when like, but my experience like, well, I've never sexually assaulted a woman. So like, so I'm not a part of this or like, oh, I don't feel that I'm like uh, actively racist. So I don't need, so take me out of it. And it's like, but that's not, that's the problem or like, yeah, not doing something is like. You're still doing something. Yeah, you're still right. complicit. Like yeah. you're, you know it, what yeah. I mean. Like, yeah. and so, you know, even with Americanism. Yeah. You know, we pay our taxes. You know, are you the one that dropped a, a bomb on this country and you know drone bombed this wedding party over in you know uh, whatever country? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> no, you didn't do it, but you benefit from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, you know that is you, you're sort of part of this beneficiary class as an American. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and they might not understand how systemic it is towards you, but they see you as sort of this enemy. It's the same thing. We're part of these beneficial classes in a lot of different ways, um, you know, and to be part of it doesn't you can be complicit in it, but it does not necess, you know, ne- necessarily mean that you are trying to uphold it actively and sure, being complicit sure. in it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the heart. And we talk about this a lot. Like I th- like uh, I think a lot of times the backlash in my experience back and even personal experience emotional backlash is like but i see myself as a good person and are you mm. saying i'm a bad person mm. like don't say like that hurt. and i'm gonna like my defense walls come up right. when i hear that and it's like to be able to let them come down come and down. be like okay i can be a part of this thing now what do i do right, right? like it doesn't mean that i'm it doesn't mean I'm bad, Word. right? Like, right. but I have been benefiting from these yeah. things. So, mm-hmm. like, how do I help? And like, that's the thing. And I get it. Like, I see it when I have a conversation with someone, and it comes. I see the like that response comes from like, "Are you saying I'm a bad person?" Mm. And it's like that's not. But that's your program response. Exactly. Yeah. That's your fear and your anger. Yeah. And, all right. For sure. <laughs> when do you feel hurt? When do I feel hurt? Um, you know, I think, I think, um, you know, a lot of the hurt, uh, you know, socially is, I think we can, uh, through social relationships, we, I think we feel our most pain, right? You know, excuse me, rather through like a rejection of, you know, um, a romantic partner I'm pursuing or, you know, maybe the, um, uh, feeling hurt that my boy is calling me out on something that I feel, you know, mm some masculine marker or something mm-hmm. right i act like i'm above masculine i'm not I still get hurt from it too yeah. right? mm-hmm. you know if someone yeah. if my boy called me a pussy i'd be like i would still get mad i'd be like oh but wait pussy means mm-hmm. fam- rejection right that's yeah. why it's a, that's why it's an insult but i still get mad like you still react to that stuff yeah so i think it's 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 more it's more socially um social hurt through uh, people that i deem in my social group that's where the hurt a lot of the hurt comes from yeah um who intimidates you? Who intimidates me? Um, you know, I um, I used to 
when I first moved to New York and I was getting into tech for the first time, everybody in tech intimidated me because I felt like I didn't know anything. I felt like I was, you know, some imposter trying to, you know, kind of get in where I fit in. Um, that's not really no, that's not really the case anymore because I have come to find out um, a lot of people in tech, you know, are there and they're, and, and they're at certain levels of knowing the stuff. But a lot of people don't know a lot of shit the same way I don't, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like, I guess it's, you know, a lot of people, there were more people that were clueless trying to get into the same thing than I was, more than I was aware of. I thought I was like uniquely unqualified to be in the thing, right? So I guess this was sort of a professional thing, um, you know, uh, there. Um, uh, and this, what, what was the question again? Who intimidates Intimidation, you? right. Yeah. So that was an intimidating thing. And um, at that it's less so. It's very less so. You know, when I network and meet people in tech, I'm like, even founders of, you know, companies that have raised, you know, tens of millions of dollars, I, I'm less intimate. Like, because hmm. there's, there's so much more that goes into the success of entrepreneurship, right? And that's a whole other conversation. But, um, so that, that was a big intimidation coming in. It's, it, it is no longer so, really. Um, but what still intimidates me? Uh, fuck, I don't know. Uh, um, well, you know, I just, this, at work, um, you know, I just sort of got promoted to sort of run the recruiting department. So that kind of responsibility and working really closely with the CEO is more of an intimidating thing. Mm-hmm. That was a real sort of intimidation. That's getting better. But initially, you know, that's more, that's pretty recent, right? It's like, damn, am I going to fuck this up? Mm-hmm. Maybe it goes back to that, you know, you know, sort of feeling of being an imposter or something. But that was stuff, something more intimidating, I would say. Mm. In the spirit of this podcast and, you know, saying things we don't normally, when I uh, heard that the, Mike was like, this guy coming on, like, he's just like, reads all this stuff and he's so smart. I was like, getting into, I like, usually don't get nervous really now. I was like, how fuck? And I'll say, uh, I'm intimidated by Eddie. Eddie is very fucking smart and well read. And like, and that, and I've talked on here before, like, we've answered these questions. That's one of the big ones for me. It's like, I'm like, I'm not smart enough, I'm not a, cause like, we have the same interests, but I'm like, oh, this fucking dude can talk so much. He knows so much, like, so just you know put it out there i mean so you know good. i feel like, like this is your, you know you this is your podcast it's like you got to get you know you got to be the the podcast guy I mean, it's like it's a prof- it's like a professional thing yeah you're yeah. doing this thing and it's like you know how do i measure up to the other podcast people or something mm-hmm. maybe you know maybe it ties into that i don't know no. but you know that's so good <laughs> what are you proud of yourself um, when am I proud of or what am I proud of? What are most? you proud of yourself? Um, 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 am I proud of myself? Uh, I guess, uh, I don't know, I guess maybe my move to New York is my most proudest thing because um, I lived in uh, Boston and I moved to New York. I wanted to move to New York, but I actually ended up moving to New York in, the, in July of 2012. And I worked for a company called General Assembly. Um, and I started out, like I literally, this is the point where I, this is where like sort of the intimidation came in, right? So maybe the fact that I was intimidated made me really proud when I did it. Yeah. Maybe that's what it, you know? So I, I um, didn't know anything. So I just started working at the front desk, basically, because mm-hmm. um, they're a startup. They just need startups that are growing quickly. It's like, like get anybody, come in, just fucking work. We were, we're growing. You know, we we can't pay a lot. You know, that is sort of the nature of a startup. So I 
got in in a good time and they gave me like a little front desk gig and worked hourly and I was like doing the mail and that kind of shit. But that was my my entrance into New York City in the tech scene. Um, and then from there, you know, I sort of didn't know anybody. And even the person that hired me, I, I only met her um, when I would like take the, the China bus between Boston and New York and try mm-hmm. and fucking meet people in New York and stuff. Um, you know, I guess talk my way into her giving a shit about me and giving me a front desk gig. And when she, she gave me the go ahead, I rushed to find uh, an apartment or a room, you know, more, more specifically, cause I couldn't fucking afford an apartment and got a place in Harlem and then kind of took advantage and did the, did the thing at general assembly and got a full-time gig there and was working there and ended up working at three years and then got the gig at genius. And then, you know, so now I'm like, you know, built my way to running this recruiting department. Right. You know, so it's not necessarily like, you know, there were other factors too, right? This timing and the support of my family and that kind of stuff. So it wasn't like some self-made, you know, bullshit story. Um, but the fact that I was able to make the jump and I'm, I'm you know, I'm quite happy being in New York. Hmm. You know, I'm going to stay. It's been six years, you know, but the, um, my uh, entrance in here was, was, was really like, you know, tenuous. I, so made it, making it work and, and, you know, now sort of being a New Yorker now, I don't know if you, if you can call yourself that after six years. I'm going to take the liberty and say that. There but, you go. Man, if you could live here oh, past no. a year. Right, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So that's Dude, it. No I, joke. So that would be yeah. my biggest, proudest thing. Yeah. For, for, so, yeah. I relate. Yeah, no, same. Same. So the last question, um, when do you feel like the truest version of yourself, the most authentic version of yourself? Oh. Uh, the question right because you know you sort of switch from these different identities right with your family with somebody else you're at work with somebody else with your boys with somebody else you're on a date with somebody else you know not not necessarily um being a totally different person but you like you emphasize some things over the others that are parts of you for for the reasons of of being in a particular context right mm-hmm. so you know in which of those contexts do I feel myself? You know, like, and then I'm, you know, home alone or whatever. Like, um, my, the, uh, pro- probably when I'm definitely being at home is, <clears throat> is nice, but I think I'm like my uh, most genuine and realest self when I get together with my boy, who's my best friend who I grew up with in New Hampshire. Hmm. His name's Jimmy. Um, he has two kids now and he's, he's with his, um, um, uh, his uh, fiance um, in Boston, but when I get together with him, and like he has all the context of me, right? Yeah. Like he was with me when I was, you know, middle elementary school, middle school, you know, um, our aspirations to play basketball, all these things. That he was yeah. my boy, like my training partner. So he he has the full context of me, you know, similar to how my family is. But you know, I can be real and tell him things that actually I can't necessarily tell my family the same way Uh um so i think i'm probably the most myself with with him i love that i love the exploring the different like relationships and how they bring out the different part of you and having a person i think that's important because i don't know that everyone has that that person that you feel like you can just take a lot as many of the masks off as you can the different yeah fronts yeah sure well thank you yeah. Eddie, so much for coming on here. We have uh, to have you on again. Yeah, yeah, for There's sure. So much more Let we me have know. to talk about. 
Let me know. There's so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let's get into it. Let me know. Time. Walls Please. down. Yeah, walls down. As, so as always, um, you know, if you have any questions, anybody or you know, people you want to suggest for the podcast or you want to, you know, if you want to get in contact with us, it, email us at wallsdownpodcast at gmail.com. Or follow us at on Instagram at wallsdownpodcast. Yeah, and uh, on iTunes, rate us and review us. And the reason to do that is that uh, the more ratings and reviews we get, the more people that see this um, and the more people listen to it. And so we'll keep doing it. But uh, again, thanks, Eddie, a lot for coming out, man. Oh, yeah. Is there anything you want to oh, plug yeah. or? Um, you know, I got a, a mixtape coming out. No, nah, I don't. I'm, uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I didn't even mention it. It was your uh, SoundCloud. <laughs> You know, listen, is the SoundCloud link. Um, SoundCloud. Uh, what do I want to plug? Nothing really. Yeah. You know, uh, I, lo- I love, you know, I think, you know, shout out to, to Lauren. We, you know, me and her, we talk about this a lot. Whatever. We've got a little book club and stuff. But shout out to, be, you know, people willing to, to, to um, have a conversation like this and, mm. you know, talk about, like, you know, it's real. Like, you know, da, da, da. so I like, you know, I like those conversations. It can be tough to talk about sometimes, but. Um, people who like talking about it, shout out to them because it's important. Yep. I like that. I like that too. That's a good one. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Cheers. Peace. Peace.